Hey, folks, I'm Mark Marin from the WTF Podcast, and this episode is brought to you by Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues, your ally to help tackle your allergy symptoms this season. I love the change of seasons, but nobody loves pollen and all those other things floating in the air that make you sneeze during this nice weather. Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues are hypoallergenic and allergist approved. So fight back against watery eyes and runny noses without worrying about irritating your skin. For this allergy, Allergy season, grab Kleenex and face allergies head on. Hi, I'm Lewis Mitchum from Welling Garden City, and you're listening to Dame Baptiste Questions Everything. My question is, is size 8 too small for a man? Okay, here comes the show. And remember, question everything. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Dame Baptiste Questions Everything, a podcast for myself, comedian, writer, and occasional actor, Dame Baptiste, my producer friend, Howard Cohen, a.k.a. The Hizzer. Hello! And a mix of very special guests pose the questions that need to be asked, and we're talking everything from... Well, 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 we're talking everything from Lewis, from Welling Garden City's question, is size eight too small for a man? Uh, Lewis confirmed to me in a message he's talking about shoes... Um, Dane, is size 8 shoe too small for a man? Uh, I think he's fine, isn't he? If that's is, what Lewis is has it, got. Are we talking UK or US? Because he, uh, he, he, he wasn't that UK specific. Um, well, I would say no is a short answer to that question because I guess the size of your foot is should normally be proportional to the size of the rest of your body, mm. barring any kind of birth defects or uh, and we're not the uh, nature. He, he, some people would bring up the penis comparison thing. It's not really true. I'm not, I'm not really sure how it works because the length of someone's toenail won't really tell you how good their circumcision was. So you can't really use this kind of foot and phallus comparison all the time. Also, having small shoes is good sometimes because they cost less and they look nicer. Because I buy trainers, basketball trainers I want to buy, but I can't really wear them with the rest of my attire because they look like big, enormous like yachts at the bottom of my feet. So if I could shrink my feet for the purpose of wearing trainers, I'd probably do that. Well... There you go, Lewis. And uh, suffice to say, on this show, we ask and answer all the questions, don't we, Dave? Absolutely. No question is too big, too small, too highbrow or too stupid for this podcast. And if you do like the show, please rate and review on Apple Podcasts or follow us on Spotify and you'll never miss an episode. Or you can subscribe to us on Acast, the world's biggest podcast network, where you can hear all of the very special questions being asked and answered by our very special guests. With that being said... Today's show, our guest is a comedian and writer. His last three Edinburgh shows, Whitey McWhiteface, Lefty Tighty, Righty Lucy, and When Harassy Met Sally, were five-star start runs and cemented his reputation as an uncompromising social commentator. His TV and credits include Live at the Apollo, The Mash Report, 8 Out of 10 Cats, as well as Have I Got News For You. And he's appeared on Comedy Central's Roast Battle and Live from the Comedy Store, as well as making his own series for the channel, Finn Taylor Plays Bullshit Bingo. So if you haven't worked it out by now, then you are stupid, but you're still welcome on this podcast. But please welcome to the show, Mr. Finn Taylor. Hey guys, thank welcome. you, Dane. That was a very well-read excerpt of a press release. I, wor- I worked it up a little bit more, actually, mate, just to let you know. I did do some extra work, so... Howard put some uh, stuff like... He put five star for the sellout runs, that's cool. And cemented, well, I was going to say, like... He There's a few more a bits. There's a few... Yeah. I, you know, tinkered, I tinkered. He did some uh, tinkering. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's, I mean, the punctuation is all Howard. So there's yeah, that. yeah, yeah. Yeah, you didn't take that a breath. That was very good, Howard. Oh, no, yeah. I, I was nice. It flowed very well, Howard. I liked it. And uh, we always... Like Jack, Jack Kerouac, just no full stops. Really That's intense. It. <laughs> it's really off because I think we'd be building up to this crescendo of introduction because now people are like, this guy, I mean, he's a five-star general of comedy. Who yeah. the fuck is he? And then I was like, Finn Taylor plays bullshit. Five-star general. There you That's go. That's a load loaded term now though aren't they because the only time you hear that is with another Russian that's committed a war crime <laughs> another Russian's committed a war crime uh, and what, what's your um, uh, what's your how big are your feet Finn going back to Lewis's um, question I'm well, I sort of have different sizes depending on what type of shoe we're talking I'm not someone who just wears sneakers as I think you'd say Dane was I don't think I've ever seen you in anything that wasn't some yeah. kind of white, white, white sneaker. Yeah, white sneaker. Any, any, any chance I get, it's going to be sneakers. I do own like I have a pair of, I do have a pair of moccasins and also a pair of hard shoes from uh, Russell and Bromley for like weddings and stuff. Right. I keep yeah. them in a dust, keep them in a dust bag. Yeah, you need a wedding shoe. Yeah, yeah. you got, got a wedding shoe. So, if you wear 
I think you pass a certain age and you're wearing trainers with a suit. You look like a toddler who's been forced to go to a wedding. Yeah, it's 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 not good. I my my shoe size is about. I'd say I normally go for eleven point five. I'm quite got very wide feet, um, so I need to. I'm normally a half size. Is it more? Is it more the girth that adds to half than the length? Well, no, that's what a half size is. It's wider. It's just, oh, it's girth. It's oh. the same. It's the same length, but it's it's wider. Oh, well, that's something I've learned today. Yeah. Because mm. I, I also thought I was a 10.5, but also, I guess, increased in foot girth and went up to an 11. So, a double digits all the way for you, Finn? Yeah, 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 yeah. No, I've never... I'm 6'2 and a bit, uh, 11.5. Yeah, I'm a big guy. Mm. Impressing big guy. everyone at big, home, big I imagine. Guy, this big now. guy, big shoes. Is that, is that a thing, though? I, I, I've... I know that height is definitely criteria for dating that I've heard about, but um, I've never really heard someone go, what's up? Actually, no, I was dating a girl whose mum was like, look at the size of his feet. But I thought like she didn't mean my feet at all. <laughs> <laughs> That's never what? happened to anybody else? Never. No. Oh. It's probably time for a question, isn't it then, Dave? <laughs> as, the, as the format of this show dictates. Absolutely. It's time for a question and it allows me to change the subject of the size of my penis in the eyes of matriarchs. So... Finn, as our very esteemed guest, we invite you to ask the first question, which can be any question you'd like, which we'd like to discuss for about 15 minutes and some change. And then uh, Howard, the here's a here, would like to pose a question to you and I, and we'll discuss for 15 minutes. And then doing something new and innovative, I'm going to ask you a question to discuss for 15 minutes as well. And then we'd like you to tell our listeners where they can find out about your good works or works that might elicit your hatred. Past, present and future. It's your choice. So how does that sound? Sounds like the format to a successful podcast, Dave. <laughs> Thanks, mate. Thank you very much. <laughs> um, so, um, so, well, I had several things knocking about my head, um, but the one that the one that I don't really know the answer to, which I guess is which is the one we should go for, seeing as we've got to talk about it in fifteen minutes. Um, the thing I've been thinking about is that uh, Louis C.K. won a Grammy, right. and mm. uh, there's been internet uproar mm. and i uh, i watched the special and it's very good and i don't know what to i don't i don't i guess the, i guess the question is um what do you do with uh art that is good when the person is bad <sighs> is that that's quite a big question isn't it it's a but, brilliant no, question, it's a, good, it's, a great question. it's a good time to ask it as well right dane uh, definitely time. Definitely, it's uh... because I, I suppose I'm fascinated by when comedians are judged by the standards of society, because the whole point of being a comedian on stage is that it's a safe space to to, to be free from society. But obviously, he made these kind of moral transgressions, but they're disputed. Yeah. Uh, I, but I, then I don't know. But is is it the responsibility of the Grammys to take that into account? They're not judging people on who they are. But should they be? I don't know. It's a very good question. And, uh, yeah, it's, it, I mean, and a, good, a great time to bring it up because, obviously, I'd say, you know, maybe it's three years prior, Louis C.K. was maybe one of the first people that uh, was considered cancelled. Um, and, yeah, was, and there were calls for the uh, end of his livelihood um, because of these uh, amoral and inappropriate actions. It's a crazy one because obviously I was a big fan of Lucy K when the revelations came out and obviously considering how close we are to this story as opposed to a lot of other stories involved in cancellations of artists or creatives or people involved in the creative industry, it's been a tough one. And uh, even what I have heard from a lot of our uh, peers or women in the industry, um, they feel that there's been very little commentary about this from uh, men in the comedy industry. I mean, I, I, don't, I wouldn't say that's the case. I think it's not been as overt. But basically, it's a tough one because you could argue if there is the board on the Grammys who themselves, like, we have no insight into their moral disposition. So you could argue if they were to rescind it or if they were to critique or scrutinise Louis C.K.'s questionable actions, really, who are they? Because I would argue, I mean, we have institutions who determine what is amoral, unlawful and illegal but then, I mean... But that's it, isn't it? This wouldn't, this wouldn't be a problem if the US did not have statute of limitations. 
Yeah. Because if he could have gone to, uh, if he could be tried for what he did, because he admitted it, because he could, yeah. because there's no, he can't, he can't be taken to um, court. Um, if he had been tried and served time, then perhaps, perhaps people would be more accepting of yeah. the fact that he's, uh, as an artist, still, still capable of producing great work. But I think because there's there's not been that justice, people feel beholden to serve it themselves, which then becomes quite a murky area because you start looking to corporations to back you up, but their corporations or their institutions that they're not they're not yeah. set up to deal with that. Do you know what I mean? Exactly. Yeah, and, and I mean then that's a really good point as well. I would cite the precedent of the fact that would it be a guarantee that if he did you know, serve his time or pay his penance for his actions as well as publicly uh, acknowledging them, that he would then be allowed to again recover and begin rebuilding his career without scrutiny because Mike Tyson uh, was uh, imprisoned for uh, assault and, yeah. you know, for a more, maybe for a more extreme version of the same thing and served his time. But upon his release, his career has been marred by people that will continue to bring it up and use it as justification to have marginalised uh, opportunities for him. So, but he, he 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 was famous for punching people in the head. So I think you know the fact that he then assaulted someone is not a huge. You know, you say should you be allowed to go back and punch people in the head? But well, well, yeah. I mean, that's what you do, isn't it? Just make yeah. you do it in a boxing ring rather than in someone's house. But then, but then as a comedian, isn't the idea as well that you are supposed to make observations about the more, uh, I guess, amoral and darker aspects of society as well as your own behaviours? and then contextualise them along comedic lines. So as a comedian experiencing any form of tragedy or trauma or being present in any form of trauma, what mm. other way would someone like Louis C.K. know to deal with that or rationalise that other than making jokes about it? Which is not me justifying what he does, but it's like in the same way that Mike Tyson goes back to punching people in the head, like Louis C.K. goes back to making kind of the kind of jokes that play the line and are dark and they're not, they're not directly rooted in things he's committed or he's not mentioned somebody's name. But, mm. but I, I'm just not sure... That, that in some ways, Louis C.K. and this scenario, as much as it's a great jumping off point, it is the crux of the issue. I think the crux of the issue will time and time again come back to what are you going to do when you find out that, that people who you maybe respect give you reasons not to respect them? Mm. And, and that could be... You know, stuff that ends up with prison time, as you've discussed. It could be stuff that never ends up with prison time. It could just be things that people say and get them in massive amounts of, you know, turmoil, put in a public eye. And, and and I think we just at this crossroads, Finn, which I know you've looked at in your comedy and I've watched your comedy. I've been there in a room where someone has, <laughs> has given you shit about something you've said. And it, I, I just think... I don't know. Like, I, I, I think there's got to be a conversation about that. As, as, as like, can you, you know, for example, I'll give you a really weird example. There's a footballer in Scotland who went to prison for rape, right? That's a fucking horrible, there's nothing in that sentence that's good. And then the guy got a well, job. Apart from him going to prison for it, that's... Well, no, but I, mean, it's, yeah. I mean, it's just, it's just a horrible also, story. Also, Scottish football... Good lord. <laughs> <laughs> my point was going to be to try and be more. Oh, yeah. <laughs> my point was going to be the fact that he basically he got signed by a club and then everyone was right. up yeah, yeah, yeah. that he yeah. got signed by the club. And I was just, my wife pointed this out to me that she said, but if he served his time, why can't he go back to playing football? And I'm not, I've not got the answers, guys. No, I don't, Anyone's offended yeah, by this. I must because, have thought, but no one's, I've not got the answers. The, the, no, I don't know what the answer is either because I guess. I guess I suppose if you're uh, a fan of that club, like I'm a Chelsea fan, right? So tough gig, tough gig at the moment. Tough gig, right? Um, it, it's not, like not, for, not that, for us, Howard. Can I say not for us as Arsenal? Yeah, but it's great for an Edinburgh show, yeah, yeah, surely. I mean, yeah, it's, it's does that, yeah, yeah. Does that the fact that I've paid to go and see them does that make me complicit in the Kremlin's war crimes? Mm. Well, I would, I I would, well, well that's the thing. I mean, it's the same with the uh, the fact that this this club fans of this club are going to pay to see this guy uh, that has gone to jail for rape. Um, but I suppose that what the alternative I have now is the least worst option because the alternative is you say, well, the, the, well, it's the death penalty, isn't it? 
Yeah, you say you can never, you can never, you must, you, you know, there's no. Yeah, it's a living death, um, which, which you know, you could argue is yeah. kind of a really cool and unusual punishment. I, I could say maybe at a, the first thing I could say is if you can enjoy, it, I guess it's subjective, and and you will never really know the entirety of the context of any person who creates and know exactly to what and what aspects of their actions, be they negative or positive, have contributed to what they're actually creating or how they choose to use those experiences, contextualize the work. But I'd say, I guess the easy option for me would be, I know, you know, the Son of Sam laws where the guy, um, Son of Sam went to prison and there was a book written about it. And so the laws created so that he can't profit from his actions. So, Uh, right. So maybe, I mean, that could be maybe... That's interesting. So it could be a short-term solution whereby the earnings from Louis C.K.'s work for a sustained amount of period are used to remunerate his victims who... Or people from a similar... Yeah. yeah. Somebody, for example, those who maybe not feel safe to be around him or able to... uh, Because of technicality, then he, you know, maybe a a civil agreement is reached where he can remunerate his victims for their loss of earnings because they feel too anxious to be in a green room or to be anxious to go to comedy. And that's not the solution, but it could be in the same way that, like I said, with the R. Kelly, um, with R. Kelly, for example, yeah, there was a lot of talk about the fact that R. Kelly's streams increased during his trial prior to his incarceration, and they've increased since. The thing is, though, R. Kelly himself has acknowledged that due to a lack of literacy, he doesn't own his masters and doesn't make money from record sales. He actually used to earn from touring and some songwriting. Mm. So he wouldn't earn the lion's share from his record sales. So really, Giant... He also had quite, he also had quite a lot of overheads, didn't he? I mean, he well, had yeah, like exactly. you know, several, locks and, all, several locks and all the basement doors and all that. Yeah, locks, basement. I mean, the way we're hearing it now is that he basically had a trafficking ring in Atlanta. And yeah, mental. It's, yeah, it's insane. And a lot of people were involved in facilitating that because of the money he was generating. Right, the, right, the mass right, right. Itself wasn't generating on mass. So again, it would be like I don't think it's going to be an immediate solution. But if those streams are still generating revenue, we already know that Arcade doesn't earn from that. That would be Jive and his subsidiary, the record label, it's a subsidiary of. Why not use the money earned from that to? Uh, compensate these victims. I mean, that would make sense in the same way that, like, you know, in any other civil case, normally a a uh, like a pharmaceutical company that causes a lot of deaths, or like Vioxx, for example, they're able to hide behind the legal entity of the corporation and no one goes to prison, but they have mm. to pay that. Well, maybe you set up the same institution where, uh, I guess, Louis C.K.'s businesses are um, garnished in earnings in order to help the people he, he would have... Uh, traumatized with his actions i think it's an amazing point and definitely something that you would expect at some time to become quite a normalized thing but i also have a bit of a tangent here for you guys and see what finn thinks is i think music like if you look at the arts and entertainment and you think to yourself okay there's different things here that have you know potent basically what we do know is that power uh and, and and grand success will generally seem to lead to people exploiting it and in music a lot of the time, I think it's just kind of, I don't know, people don't associate it in the same way they associate it with people who they hear talking. Do you know what I mean, Finn? It's a weird thing. Like, yeah. there are going to be musicians in the future. I'm not going to name names because I don't know anything. But, you know, anyone from a certain era has potentially committed some very bad acts. And yeah, I think with comedy, going back to Louis C.K., it feels so close to the bone to what they are, Right. Well, that's the thing. I can't watch his older stuff because there's so much stuff about wanking in it. And you, yeah. and the thing the, with him thing, is yeah. you, you watch it and you sort of, the reason you used to find it funny was because you trusted that this was the worst version of himself and yeah. it was kind of a front for the audience. It was an act. Yeah. And now I know that that wasn't the worst version of himself and it's tainted his earlier stuff for me. Yeah. But... Uh, you know, I, I watched the new one and I thought it was brilliant and then I've just sort of been left with this kind of like unanswerable question of what that, you know, but I, I can separate the new one from the other stuff. Um, and I think it's funny because we, it's only recently, it's only in the last sort of 10 years where social media has inspired this kind of relentless obsession with authenticity mm-hmm. that an ar- an artist has to... You know, embod- has embody- to kind of the embodiment of all of, all of their work and of everything. And, yeah, yeah. And, and even that, even down to the last tweet, 
if you make a reference to yeah, something right. or anything that gives you that, well, I guess what would be referred to as a virtue signal, if the frequency of said signal changes even slightly, yeah, you can bring down the uh, digital pitchforks and and uh, torches of, of the court of public opinion very quickly. But it's fascinating in that we didn't, people didn't, people were able, they didn't demand that authenticity uh, until social media because people never used to have the access to people's lives they do now. Yeah. Um, it was all controlled by media managers and maybe like a, a famous comic would have a couple of long reads a year, like a feature piece, and that could be quite highly controlled and they could do an act on stage and then be a completely different person off it. Whereas now it feels, especially with podcasts, there's a real intimacy to the form that... Um, I mean, no offence to anyone listening, but podcast fans are some of the most terrifying fucking nerds on the planet. I, I, I don't really, I don't ever want to meet any of you weird dweeb fuckers in my life. You know what I mean? They're so. They no offence, so listeners. No offence. They feel listeners. so much ownership over the podcasts. <laughs> I was said the views of Finn Taylor do not represent those. <laughs> Lovely having you on the show, Finn. No, 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 no. They're all fucking trolls, man. They're all pigs. They're all fucking basement dwelling trolls, and I don't want to meet them. But. <laughs> But this this is uh You're not, listeners, you're not. But this is the thing, is that they, they they feel ownership over it because it's such an intimate uh medium. And so I don't I don't know what you know, if uh when you you probably get messages, Dane, about this podcast. And I do. you feel I you feel yeah. you feel like you have to you owe it to them because you become quite a big part of people's yeah. uh in their heads. And that terrifies me. Um and uh but that, what does that do to your the fact that you have an act on stage? Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I mean, you put on an act in a world which is so authentic. Well, I mean, it's it's I guess it's down to the uh, how people and the, and I guess what the issue with that as well is that the consumption of art has also increased exponentially. So mm. there may be a time where you had a lot more time for you to form and rationalise your argument. So, like in the case of Louis C.K., I imagine like myself, you're it's probably it's just a good show because it's a very good comedian who's very good at the at, at the art form and can and is known for being able to take very complex and very taboo subjects and make mm. them very funny and create them in a good way. So it may not even be the fact that it even though it's not you having any agreement with his narrative or you normalizing the behavior he might be trivializing or talking about in a comedic way, but it's um you know, in the same way that sometimes I can hear something I don't agree with at all. But the absurdity in which it's presented or delivered, I can still appreciate because the idea is that someone is performing something to elicit laughter, even if that laughter can be from the fact that it's a ridiculous concept or a ridiculous idea to discuss. So I, I can think it can mm. be a tough one because it's really down to I, I just I guess it does, it's not really a question you'd have asked of yourself before because I think the, probably the reason why you're more worried about appreciating is that now if you even appear to enjoy a piece of art or hear a song from somebody whose morality has been questioned or scrutinized. It's almost as if you mm. agree with the entirety of their narrative and all of their actions. Because of this sort of relentless author exactly, authenticity that everyone feels they have to, to, to promote because that's how yeah. the run is a currency now on social media. Yeah. And, um, and the other thing I'd say is that it's, it's, it reminds me of something I really don't like, which is, this governments put all the power into onto individuals to do stuff now. Yeah. Like, uh, oh, we've got to solve climate change, so people have to stop eating meat. So, yeah. Hang or, on. Yeah. Why don't you or stop flying? Why don't you make flying say better or or like change the make farming not as um, carbon intensive. It's yeah. not up to me. I've got a life to live. I've got kids to feed and mortgage to pay. Do you know and, what I mean? And I, and I fucking pay you to do that for me. I pay you to do it for me. And that, that's and what that, a government is. Exactly. And that's the interesting and it's point. A similar, yeah. It's a similar thing with art. It, it really is. It's um, like, yeah. if I'm consuming it, why does that suddenly make me have to um, condone or, you know, snap back against or react to who the person is? Um, I think you should be able to to not. Social media has, has given us the first glimpse into democracy in the mm. dimension we've never seen before. Obviously, mm. we're supposed to work within a democratic country, but there are regulatory uh, protocols that you have to take. Like you have to register to vote, probably have to be habeas corpus, be over a certain age of responsibility and maturity for you to vote. Whereas this, none of none of these um, 
none of that criteria exists when it comes to volunteering your thoughts on social media. Mm. Now, I'm sure at one point in time when we were in smaller villages and smaller towns and hamlets, people would have observed like a town meeting at democracy like you see in The Simpsons. <laughs> but what normally tends to happen is that when you have that democracy, which is not based on people being informed about topics, then you require representation or aristocracy arises, which is why we have elected officials. And for a long time, art maybe would have had it through its critics and its journalists. Mm. You would have gatekeepers. Had a, yeah, you would have had gatekeepers who would have given you this access to people and show you what dimensions people would be able to form their perception about. Whereas now, before we say everybody's a critic, but now it's actually happening when everyone can be a critic and they can be from so many perspectives whereby just the way you articulate a statement can be open to scrutiny, even though you might be somebody where it's like, this is not really the normal medium by which I express myself. And I think a large part of that comes from the fact that we now have uh, this new, I guess, occupation of being an influencer where you don't necessarily have to create anything or, you know, leave something open to interpretation. And make, and that's probably be, that's supposed to be part of art that is open to interpretation and detractors. Now you can just say things. And so the idea is that people are so open to divergence based on them agreeing with somebody and someone who's really just speaking or addressing on, on a superficial level, and now they expect everyone to be the same. That's yeah. another question. What the fuck is an influencer? What are they, what are they doing? Yeah. What, well, what, we're gonna what are to, they? <laughs> we're going to have to move on from this. Can I, can I, can I change my question? That's my question. No, no, What the no. fuck are they? No, no, no. no. <laughs> we, 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 do you know what? It's been a good... Do you know what? It's a great question, though, you've asked, Finn. Let's, let's get you back for, to discuss influencers <laughs> next time. Um, but that was a good one, right, Dane? Uh, listeners, we want to know what you think of that because it is a difficult one to answer. It's a great one. I'm going to ask a question now, uh, it, and um, it, because I definitely think we've got we got to the bottom of of, of, of that one. Yeah, um, I think we solved that one. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> don't worry, everyone. You don't have to worry about that anymore. Solved. Um, uh, my question: I've been requested to, by uh, a listener to ask this question, uh, and I, I think I might add like dramatic music to this introduction because it, 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 I think it probably warrants it. Um, it's this simple, really. Chris Rock, Will Smith. The slap heard round the world. Come on. We haven't talked about it yet, Dane. We haven't talked about it. And however, it's very interesting. There's been a, and then again, another narrative on social media whereby people have been like, we don't need to hear what white people think. So I said to myself and Howard clearly has as well, let's find Whitey McWhiteface and ask him <laughs> what he thinks about it. Because surprise, what some people may not know, and it might surprise you, white men not only own cheeks, but also own hands. So, Finn. What do I think about the Will Smith thing? Um, well, here's my... Firstly, I think Will Smith is pathetic. Um, secondly... <laughs> strong, strong star. <laughs> I think multi-millionaire who can't take a joke is a very bad look. The optics of it are bad for Will Smith. Really bad. I find it pretty insane that, that he just did that and then the Academy just gave him an award and no one seemed to be... I mean, you can totally and a, see and a stand the roots. And a stand innovation. Yeah, you can totally see the whole roots of that, of that Weinstein culture where no one just sort of speaks out and just lets these, these kind of supposedly great men get away with... You know, you can totally see the roots of that in, in that five minutes or whatever. Yeah. Um, I, the thing is, right, Jada Pinkett Smith has alopecia, boohoo, right? But she, she, correct me if I'm wrong, Dane, but there's quite a big culture uh, around black women and wigs. Yeah. So if she was really, you know, um, unhappy with her baldness, she should just get down packs on Stroud Green Road. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Get a wig on. The fact that she's owning it surely means that she is able to take a joke about it. She's saying, this is me. I mean, even the joke itself didn't really reference her having an autoimmune disease. It was really more like her likeness to G.I. Jane. And I feel like even on that, depending on the level you read it on, personally, for somebody who was previously in The Matrix Resurrections, Mm. Um, being offered another action film, I'd be pretty happy with it. And I feel like, no, it's not like Jada Pink is going to turn down G.I. Jane 2. No, she's not done anything since Major Resurrections, has she? Yeah, I mean, yeah. She's Apart not, from breeding a horde of crazy fucking children. <laughs> I'm totally Team Rock on, on this one. As, as I think he handled it, handled it very well. Very well. I think... Um, 
I'm just amazed that, uh, well, I suppose it ties into the previous question, which I realise Howard is quite desperate for us to not talk no, anymore. No, 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 it's probably, all probably, intertwined. Probably wants to fucking edit the whole thing out <laughs> and just come in on me saying, what the fuck is an influencer next? Um, <laughs> but, and then cut it and go, black women, wigs. <laughs> yeah, black women, wigs. Short episode this week. Listen, short episode. And then me saying, all your audience are fucking trolls. Thanks, Finn. That's the end of the episode. Wow, that was an intense micropod this week. Um, but it, again, I suppose it's like, I, I say, I, I was questioning whether it's up to the Grammys to endorse Louis for his actions. Maybe it is because you saw how the account. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Academy, just, just let a guy get away with, um, you know, slapping someone. And uh, it'd be interesting. I'll tell you what would be interesting. If it was a bigger, if it was an actual punch. Yeah. What would have happened then? That, you know. I felt like it was a punch. I know it wasn't a punch, but it was with it's such a, ferocity. It's, it's worse than it a punch. It was a full on, it's full on It's slap, worse than a punch. Yeah. Because at least in a punch, you might be knocked down or fall over. Or there's some understanding of that person's aggression. If Will Smith had punched him, I would have maybe thought, okay, maybe she is dealing with an issue that has been so existentially crushing to all parties, he couldn't control himself. But a slap, which allowed him to walk away and sit back in his seat, suggests mm. to me that, that all that showed me was somebody who was aware of their power, who chose the right person to abuse it with, and then weirdly tried to give a justification after the slam. Whereas but he's, um, yeah, sorry, he's a famous cuckold, isn't he? Well, yes. Um, and that's, and the, they, that's the thing as well. They lash out, don't they? Cucks. Yeah. At the right, te te technically at the wrong people. And that, mm. and cuck in this instance, I believe, and I agree with you, isn't just, uh, focused on the paradigm in Will Smith's house, but cucks in general tend to find, people they perceive to be easier targets or to try and shoot deers in cages when we're all aware that, you know, the real issue is not with the person they've chosen as an opponent. And that's the thing with Will Smith is that um, it's not just a question of, uh, even though people have tried to move it away from Will Smith and Chris Rock and spoken about black women and hair, and I agree with you, Finn, like when you get 20 million in a movie, if there is a hair transplant out there, mm. you're going to have, you're going yeah. to have the best one. Because yeah, if you're the, able to hide as many indiscretions as Will Smith supposedly has done with various other actresses, like I say this to people all the time, every single beautiful black woman who was working in Hollywood or in TV during the nineties appeared on the Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. Every single one, mm. in, including Jada Pinkett. So, mm. it's, so, and somehow we've never heard of any indiscretion involving Will Smith in the same way that I also found it very dubious when the whole story came out about Tiger Woods cheating. He was like the only black golfer that's going to be on the PGA Tour. You're telling me that this six-foot-plus black dude who is an athletic specimen is walking through hotel lobbies in Palm Springs and no one's noticing he's with someone that's not his wife. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yet no one... Just to go back to... Um, Dave, just to go back to it, and the one thing I would say, just I'm not, I'm not definitely... I'm definitely agreeing with a lot of what you guys have said, is, is that I, I think the joke, right... It probably wasn't worth <laughs> making that joke because I, I think the subject matter, whether there was a confusion, whether they thought they didn't know she had alopecia, like, I, I, don't, I don't know, but it probably wasn't worth making that joke. 
Because it's probably not the... Look, I know you can make jokes and they'll not be nice, right? You can mock people for, for things in those award ceremonies, right? But you probably, you probably didn't need to make that joke about her. Yeah, but also, but then, Howard, we both know how TV works. It's Chris Rock. He won't have even written that joke. He yeah, would have had a bunch exactly. of stuff he wanted to say and then the exactly. fucking execs, like you, will have gone, no, <laughs> no. Yeah. We can't offend the trolls that are listening. God right. forbid we cut off the trolls. Finn makes a good point, Howard, because that's my theory. I think... Mm. The idea that this, this uh, based on this narrative about Chris Rock doing this from a place of malice and again referencing him talking about something in 16, I don't think it was malice. Do you know what I think? It's in the same way that on stage I'll say something like, Prince Andrew can't sweat. Mm. Now the crowd laughs, not because anyone gives a shit about Prince Andrew's sweat glands, it's because that truth belies the real story. But let me let me add like to that note. Let me add to that Will because, Smith mate. said, I think maybe Chris Rock has watched his peer be emasculated and cuckolded mm. in the public eye for the best part of the last three years. Mm. And maybe he was like, do you know what? I'll say something to her if you won't, Will. But, but let, me, let me just add to that. The uh, Prince Andrew reference you make there is, is, I think, completely fine because if we're very honest, we all think he's a sex offender and therefore should be mocked, whereas she doesn't really deserve to be mocked for her alopecia because that is not something you would generally, I think, go, oh, they're a good target. That's my only observation on the side of, of what happened. She's, but- also, she's also a multimillionaire at the Oscars, and if you do not roast people at the Oscars... No sure. one would watch it because it'd get, be the most. But you get like, my point. The people, a lot of people, do things that they deserve to be mocked for. Like people do terrible movies and they get rinsed to these things, right? So, like, I get that. I, I, but let me just add to one thing, which is, I do think underneath all of it, there is the simple truth, which is where Finn started here, which is Will Smith is fucked up, right? Will Smith is fucked up, and this is a long story. And there's rumors you can go on the internet and find them. I've been told some things myself about him that make you go. Yeah, like this guy's unhinged and that moment is the moment that pushed him past. I, I don't think he'll ever come back from it, personally. I don't think you can come back from that. Well, I mean, that's very, and I think that's fine and well to say, but again, it's like, it goes back to the question we were asking before. Are we able to enjoy somebody's works without having to take into consideration their moral actions? I think and you can enjoy his previous works, Dane, but I just think in terms of him getting the kind of projects off the ground that he used to get off the ground, I don't think people are going to be banking on Will Smith anymore because uh, I don't want to say anything that's going to get me incriminated, by the way. But but like things that I've been... T- they just What this means is uh, to me is that he is so unhinged. And, and also, I, I imagine... If I hear things about Will Smith, you can be fucking sure people in positions like Chris Rock hear things about Will Smith. And I would bet he would love the chance to rinse Will Smith for, for those things. But I think he would. And that's the thing. And that's the thing is that, like, I think one of the reasons why this has been a hard discussion to have is this is a way that we're trying to add so much nuance to it, like who Will Smith is and who he's been in his films. The issue for me is, and every time someone tries to focus on the nuance of Jada, Jada Pinkett's alopecia and the like, is very rarely do comedians get a checklist of people's ailments or deep-seated psychological problems or previous child or childhood traumas as context for them to form jokes about you? It's not as easy as being able to even turn over jokes and elicit a laugh just because of something we hear in audience scenario because Chris Rock is also trying to get energy in a room where there's no compare. So he's already operating in, an, in a non-conventional way in his capacity as a comedian. But the point is this alone. What Will Smith tried to do is ratify a state within the creative industry at the height of the celebration of the creative industry as a phenomenon, that if you hear something you don't like from somebody or their artistic expression detracts from what yours is, you're able to go and smack them. And here's, here's, for me. Sorry, here's another interesting thing, because I'm thinking about us talking about this, and it's, it's between two men, really. Yeah. And we're all siding with Will Smith. I know, and then I'm with, the, with Chris with Rock. The, Sorry, that's a real sign with Chris Rock. Real sign was terrible. But then with with Louis, I think because what what if Louis if we'd seen video footage of him doing it in the way that we saw Will Smith hit Chris Rock, where it's undeniable. Yeah. Then maybe well, I think definitely actually we couldn't enjoy his work anymore. Yeah, perceptions would definitely change. But that again, but that adds to for me that adds to the the insanity of. And maybe even a sense of entitlement of Will Smith's actions, because I genuinely feel like, like you said, if he had smacked someone that wasn't Chris Rock and 
or he'd smack somebody and we could see, if he smacked somebody on set filming and we could see that there'd be no question yeah. about the village of Will Smith's actions but also there's been a lot of people who have been defending Will Smith saying how come you don't take things back from Harvey Weinstein and how come uh, how come uh, Roman Polanski is still a member of the academy well for that uh, for that reason because their indiscretions were not on camera that's the thing we yeah, didn't, we didn't, yeah, we didn't that's, it. that's what I think we didn't see it take place that's the difference is that the Academy of Arts and Sciences will have their own public and insurance liabilities, but also they are it's something that's watched by children, which means there are other stakeholders that are mm. outside of it who do have a bearing on them in the same way that we speak about the court of public opinion. Will Smith did that in the court of public opinion. So it, it's it's you know, that's a difference. But I do I when Howard said that he can't come back from it, I, I would argue that I can in the same way that I watched the Louis special and enjoyed it even though I don't like the stories. And I, I think, you know, if I'm, I'm believing the women's stories, I think it's pretty horrible, but yeah. I can still enjoy a special. I feel like I could still watch a, Will, a new Will Smith film when he was acting as someone else and enjoy it, but still think he's a bit of a fucking loser. Um, yeah, and Mel, Mel Gibson I, continues to have an illustrious career. Well, that's it. And it's just, I guess it's just about, everyone will have a threshold for suspending disbelief when they come to watching, consuming art or content. And I suppose, depending on your individual lived experience, you know, if you've been, if you've been threatened by, by a man you work with in the sexual way, or you've been slapped by Will Smith, then you will not be able to enjoy those bits of work in the same way that maybe I can, I don't know. Now, now, Dane, I think it's a perfect opportunity for you to ask your question because this has become a intertwined trilogy of questions along very similar themes. Uh, so over, over to you, Dane, if that's cool. Oh, well, I was just going to change my question to what the fuck an influencer is said it. <laughs> so you, you were going to ask Finn something that really related to this. If we, I, remember no, I, just think, I just think, yeah, it's, it's kind of based on the fact that um, one of the immediate parts of the backlash has been people being like, why people don't need to weigh in on this. I think there was a pundit that was on MSNBC, uh, Tiffany... Mm. Um, Haddish. Oh, no, it wasn't Tiffany Haddish. It was another uh, lady. Because um, I, I was in an article where Tiffany yeah. Haddish was saying it was nice to see a black man defending his wife. Tiffany, that well, was, yeah. Which is very strange take. because, like, every black man who saw his wife tell him that she was fucking his son's friend was like, mm, that's... <laughs> What are we defending here? And, yeah. and this is, and I find this very strange in terms of like um, defending his wife. Again, even if that was a valid reason, you wouldn't need to do that on camera. And personally, if a man is going to be reassuming these traditional and somewhat toxic roles, what the fuck is a slap going to do? And that's the thing is that that's all well and good, but Tiffany Haddish, speaking as a comedian, knows full well that any comedian knows if you made an, if you just alluded to something as superficial and as innocuous as that and was slapped instantly, just if, if for nothing else, the biological response of fight or flight, the adrenaline that would come from being slapped in the face, you'd go straight for the jugular and talk about Will Smith and him being a cuck and his wife and his kids. Mm. And we all saw Chris Rock use the restraint he did to try and do damage limitation that he wasn't obligated to provide for the Smith family. So I'm throwing that one out. But um, That's how you host a fucking corporate, innit? Yeah, You just take much. it, just take just it, take the money, get off stage. Just take it. And then, and even then, you, and then you, you could have sued them afterwards. But yeah, my question, I guess, really is that um, I'm going to defy the uh, court of public opinion and I want to give a straight white man the space to let him know what you think as a, both as a, as a straight white comedian and a straight white man, because a lot of the, uh, the rebuttals are part of the same subject have been like Will Smith wouldn't have slapped a white man on stage or you know what would have happened if two white guys did that um, so that's what let's hear it from Whitey McWhiteface what, what do you think about this in general and what do you think it means for comedy as a straight white male well thank you for giving me the space today and I really appreciate All right, it alright keep it, keep it brief though <laughs> <laughs> it's great that you have marginalised voices on this pod <laughs> Um, <laughs> question everything Finn everything yeah 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 so sorry the question is what do I as a straight white man think I think about... this means for comedy in terms of A this uh, the uh, I guess censorship I mean, it's an good question yeah but the idea of people hitting people on stage or even cancelling or re re rescinding their plaudits based on their immorality um, I don't think because <sighs> no one says that about Lena Dunham for example in her book she said that she uh 
assaulted uh, assaulted a young woman herself. So the thing is, is that you know, in a live comedy context, be that a theatre or a club, I think you have to give the audience credit that they know what they're there to see. And that's why they're there to see it, is that you're sort of suspending norms for two hours and it's cathartic and then you leave and you re-enter society and you kind of, you know, you, you quickly reassemble your moral compass as you leave the theatre. Um, it's the same way why we, you know, we allow violent video games because uh, it's, you know, it's, a, it's not reality. Uh, it's a sort of safe space. And so I don't really think it's going to result in people punching uh, comics because I think the context of the Oscars, I mean, the whole thing's just dead, isn't it? The fucking Hollywood Oscars award ceremonies, you know, it's so, if, it, if the, they have to have a comedian hosting that, as I was saying earlier, because if they don't, it is the most farcical millionaires yeah. sucking each other off for two hours. No one will watch it. Who gives yeah. a shit? Just go and do this in, in the Beverly Hills somewhere else, right? Like you normally um, do. And, yeah. and, and and don't make people privy to it. You know, and then you can go the whole hog and do what you normally do and get a fucking goat and sacrifice it to whatever Satanist <laughs> you're all... Pre- you know, whatever. You can get all queuing on and you do all that shit and who cares. But um, you have to have a comedian because you have to... They have to be grounded for the hogs like us watching from home, Right. Otherwise, it's not it's not anything we'd want to watch. So the con, but the thing is that these celebrities are so you know their egos are so inflated, so infantilized by the world, which just you know lays everything at their feet. But obviously, Will Smith did not feel like he could he should have to deal with jokes about him or his or his wife. Um, so I I actually don't think it will. I don't think this is anyone thinks Will Smith is a role model they're going to imitate. Um, and for all the talk of cancel culture in live comedy, um, it's, I suppose there's two types of cancel culture, isn't there? There's cancel culture where something like Louis, where there's like this moral moral transgression, or to a much lesser extent, you know, Sean Walsh um, kissing a married woman, uh, and then what he went through. Uh, really, I've only really, ever... really bad what he went through, to be honest. Like, yeah. Insane. insane, absolutely yeah, insane. Absolutely Nine days insane. on the front cover of the sun. M- yeah. Madness. In right. fucking insane. Right. Um, and that's not to say he didn't fuck up, but like, it's insane, right? Um, with me, the well, only I mean, way I, he, I mean, he, he might the only he fucked up, but he he him he himself wasn't married, and we're not in no. Saudi Arabia, and yet this had an effect on his professional life and wouldn't get bookings and stuff for a year, and like, yeah. But, but with me, the only way I've had it, and it hasn't, is when people try and um, quote cancel me for a joke they didn't like, which is which I don't think. What works or has ever happened, right? I think the moral thing is a different thing, and that's because there's a vacuum. People are trying to fill a vacuum where justice hasn't been served, right? They yeah. feel, but but, th- but in terms of being cancelled for an actual joke, uh, I don't think it, it it happens because I think you've got to give people credit that they they're grown ups and they know the context that they're doing it. Every time this thing happens, like with the Jimmy Carr thing, right? What happened was he he has a joke that he contextualizes by saying, "Do you want to hear?" the thing that will get me cancelled. Do you want to hear the yeah. worst thing I've ever said? And it's in a special on Netflix. The whole thing is about him say, being the worst he can, saying the worst things he yeah. can be. It's on Netflix for two months. Then on Holocaust Memorial Day, someone isolates the, the joke, puts it on TikTok saying, what the fuck, it's Holocaust Memorial Day. And then suddenly a rabbi is dragged on LBC to ask for his comment. And it's like, well, well, well hang on. You, you are, give the people watching that some credit. They know what they're there to watch. Yeah, I mean, and again, it goes back to what we were saying earlier in the podcast, where it's like the, the laughter that it elicits is not one of agreement. That's not how comedy works, that every piece of laughter is agreement. The laughter is deliberately where we all know that Jimmy Carr is deliberately trying to use shock value and dance very deftly around a particular subject that he knows will elicit, is, is knows it's a definite taboo. And Do you know what I think the problem here? And it's right. weird on Holocaust Memorial Day because the joke itself isn't actually targeted towards the Jewish victims of the Holocaust, it's gypsies. Which I, I suppose would be included in the Holocaust Memorial Day. I mean, yeah, but then it's but then you'd have to ask yourself those people that are detractors from that joke. How often do they observe the time to empower and listen to the experience of uh, travellers or uh, Romani gypsies? Anyway. Well, I'm aware. I'm aware how it's Jewish. Uh, so is, I'm not offended in any way by anything that's being said. Here. Thought, but also, no, I just w- thought you might have a point to make. But yeah. what I will <laughs> say quickly is that 
I think, you know what I think the problem is? I think it's comics going on fucking question time, right? It's And where they're not funny and they're saying things that they mean. They're being sincere. Yeah. It's also podcasts like this where me and you are, are sort of talking as we would in a green room as, as opposed to how we would on stage. And that blurs the boundaries. When people watch, you know, people like, um, people like Nish go on Question Time, and Nish can still be funny on Question Time, but people are watching Question Time agreeing with him. Mm-hmm. And then they might go to a comedy club and watch him, but before he's on, I'm on. And they might go, well, hang on, I don't agree with what you're saying. And I go, well, no, 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 I'm not, I'm not on Question Time. I'm not saying things that you should agree with. I'm saying jokes. And I think it, that might confuse some people, but I think the vast majority of people know what, what, what a comedy club is well, and, and know and, what a comedian's yeah. doing. And I, I think that is interesting. And I think I've, we should reference that when I, uh, before the pandemic, I came to Soho Theatre to watch Finn uh, perform one of his excellent shows. And I brought with us uh, uh, friends of my wife, uh, a very nice uh, gay couple. And um, Finn came out, and I can't remember what the first joke of the set was, but I just remember looking at them thinking, I don't really know you that well. I didn't know them at all, really. And I was like, wow, like I've just brought you to something that this may not be for you. Obviously, I was fucking laughing, but I was like, they, and they really enjoyed the show. But that night, I've never forgotten because for, I think it was for 45 minutes, I was just like, this is just, I'm just I think, you know, I do think you're a, you're a genius at times, Finn. And there was a moment, there was a, there was a moment where you were making a joke and the woman in the crowd basically sat up and said, I don't think you should be talking about that. I don't think that's acceptable. Blah, 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 blah. And I just thought to myself, well, then that's your choice to not buy tickets to this man's show next time. It's not a matter of you now saying, I need to tell the whole world to not listen to Finn Taylor. It's not for you. And that's the bit that I think, I think we've, oh, I remember that. So I think confused. I remember that show. Was it the basement of Soho Theatre? I yeah. think, I think, I think that, um, I remember that night and I remember it was a, a young couple, a young lesbian couple on the right. And, and I think I was, I can't remember what I was doing. I think it but might have been a Louis C.K. thing. It might have been a bit about that. And I just basically, I think I remember saying, just can you just let me get to the end where there is a joke? Because I think I was in the middle of a setup and, she, yeah. and she'd reacted. And yeah. to be fair to her, I think she did stay. I think we kind of got to the end of it. It fine. was just a, I don't basically, think it's it was quite a, of combative as maybe you was, Well, there was at least a 60 second period where you were trying to just get her to kind of settle. Yeah, yeah. And I think she did, to be fair. And I think at the end, I even high fived her. Right, because I, I think I tried to be like, I know, but the whole conceit of this is that it's high risk and I'm wading into something I, quote, shouldn't be. Definitely. Like, that's why it's funny. Yeah. Well, and and, and that's, why, that's why it doesn't have to be for everyone. That's my whole point. You know, go back to the history of music, art, film, just everything. You know, music, Eminem. Eminem is definitely not for, for everyone. He is incredibly offensive. But, but also, most of, yeah. is, is he it's offensive though? But is he necessarily offensive? Because it, it's the line in which people interpret art. That's the thing. And I think the thing is, particularly for comedy, I think the problem with Finn is that so much of it is so literal in terms of how people consume it online and it's very superficial and they don't have to read it on more than one line. And we've seen that like a lot of people who have risen to prominence and a large status with very simple jokes is that the average comedy palette that comes from social media is not able to, for lack of a better analogy, able to handle things with a lot more spice or flavour. Perhaps. And so stepping outside, the, stepping outside of the comfort zone of their, it's like, you know, you can, like, I'm sure Finn, you can tell what kind of person somebody is based on when they tell you what kind of comedian they like. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah and yeah. about the same yeah. token, it's like, yeah. But I'd um, also say that I think it's a, bigger than that. I think it's a... Um, as a society, we place so much weight on lived experience now yeah. that there is a sort of war between objective and subjective reality, which you could, you know, I think a large part of the fraction around the transgender debate is that is, is this sort of fraction between subjective lived experience that people who don't have it can't really empathise with and yeah. the objective reality of biology. And, and it's like, how can you ever get those two people to to agree because they they are inhabiting different different worlds yeah. and in the same in the same way 
like a comic could do a joke that 99% of a room laughs at, but one person's lived experience means they can't. And we all have, we all will have something that we can't laugh at either because it's too close to us or happened too recently. And that, that does not mean that other people can't find it funny. But I, I think because we place such weight on lived experience, people are so ready to say that something shouldn't exist that they don't like. Well, that's the thing with the analogy of comedy being the best medicine that in most tests, like there'll always be one subject who has an adverse reaction to said medicine. Mm. It doesn't mean that that medicine doesn't become available. The vaccine, because, exactly. Yeah, exactly. There, were, there were some tragic deaths, like uh, hardly any, but but still a tragic number of deaths from vaccines. Yeah, but exactly. the amount of lives they have saved, yeah. you know, you you have to look at this from a sort of utilitarian point of view. Otherwise, so many more people would be dead. What else can you do? It's, it's the least worst option. Yeah. yeah, and I think I think with with art is that um, it's never utili- utilitarian. And what people should understand is that if they see a piece of art or something is created which doesn't please them in its entirety, what you're supposed to have is the vastness. And this is where the real freedom of speech comes: is where you're able to either pursue an alternate narrative or mm. You can be the source of that narrative, but then with art, I guess art creates an etiquette around that whereby you don't trample on someone else's art with your own form of expression. You may take that and then you can create your own form of expression to compete with that. So, you know, myself, rather than, so if I hear, for example, on along the line of race relations, if I hear a comic make a poor observation or an observation I don't agree with regarding race relations, it's not for me to interrupt them. It's that I'm tasked to create a rebuttal Right. Which, um, can provide an alternate viewpoint, and that's and how I, you make the stronger argument. I agree. The problem is, this, these women have been drinking pretty heavily since about four o'clock, and uh, <laughs> I think everything you've just said is entirely irrelevant when you add, uh, add Pinot Grigio into it. Yeah. Oh, but then in Vino Veritas, so maybe the inhibitions removes uh, that person's, yeah, yeah, that person's yeah, trauma. Yeah. And sometimes um, it's like, because that's, that's what I'm saying about the whole Will Smith thing is that for me, the issue, one of the main issues with his actions is. This is not about what Chris Rock said, because yeah, it's, had much yeah. worse. You've you've been privy to much worse. We have been clowning your music for years. You know, Eminem literally said, hey, "Will Smith have to rap to curse to sell records." Well, I do. So fuck him and fuck you too. <laughs> you never walked up on Eminem. I'm sure there's been lots of charts yeah. encounters in that respect. Like even the fact that, like, if we're talking about offense and moral disposition, like Will Smith played a fucking. Police officer in Bad Boys that constantly flouts the law in terms of their conduct of solving cases. And in our point, I don't know, it's, I mean, but this is how far you can take it, Finn. This is what my point yeah, exactly. Well, that, that's, that's it, yeah. was art. You are living in America where there is a massive hysteria and a fever pitch level in terms of the relations between law enforcement and African-Americans. But you're not only playing a police officer, you're playing a fucking corrupt police officer who who brutalizes criminals and suspects. And you drive a fucking Porsche in Miami, a city built on cocaine. If you are driving a fucking Porsche and a Ferrari in Bad Boys 2, why the fuck do you need to be a police officer? What part of your extravagant life requires you to oversee the moral conduct of other people and if anyone actually remembers the plot for the first bad boys the reason why will smith goes on a rampage vengeance mission is because fouché the sardinian heroin dealer kills a prostitute that he was fucking not his wife or his girlfriend he shoots an escort and that sends will smith into revenge mode did no one stop to ask why a law enforcer has a relationship with a sex worker that's the big and question. Yet, you know, we don't we don't <laughs> use this to form our perception of Will Smith's moral disposition because yeah. it's in the capacity of his art. And there are Martin obviously- Lawrence, though, uh, I yeah, judge well, him entirely on Bad Boys. Oh yeah, fucking yeah. you know, he was yeah exactly. He wasn't in the Night Professor. That and many other films. I mean, today today the Night Professor Eddie Murphy would be called a fat phobe. Just for endorsing the idea of a film whereby <laughs> you're taking the medicine to lose weight. Um, <laughs> yeah, Dane, he would. He would. Uh, he would. We, D- Dane, we uh, have waited a while to get Finn on the show and uh, it has delivered as expected. It's, it's been a great episode, right, mate? 
the best episodes are always the ones where the questions that are asked and answered will elicit more questions from our listeners, Finn. So thank you very, very much. Very meaty, wasn't it? Apologies yeah, for making it so meaty. I no didn't know where to go. No apologies, please. Good. Apologize right. to yourself and don't feel you, you need to kind of um, accommodate people who have a much more vegetarian palate when it comes to these discussions. We like meat, we like bones and gristle as well. So Good stuff. Thanks for bringing all the sausage, Finn. But Finn, please tell our listeners where they can find out more about your good works, past, present and future. And yeah. Um, well, I, yeah, I've just put a special out on YouTube, entirely for free, free to watch. It's called Finn Taylor. So my wife, uh, check it out and you should subscribe to my YouTube channel because I'm about to release, um, I guess you call it a web series sort of YouTube show that is, um, yeah, that's imminent. So subscribe for episodes to that YouTube, Instagram, TikTok, all that stuff. So Finn is on all your good socials and open to all of your scrutiny, which we'll show for. Also, we'll be doing live shows as well, Finn, and hopefully we'll see you there to continue the conversation about influencers and everybody else that fucks us off in society and everyone else we fuck off in society as comedians. So yeah, try to get your availability on that as well. Uh, thank you very much for coming on the pod, Finn. Very much appreciated. Pleasure. You've been listening to Dane Baptiste Questions Everything, hosted by Dane Baptiste. For more from Dane, go to danebaptiste.co.uk or follow him on Twitter at DaneBaptweets or Instagram at DaneSnapTeast. Our guest was Finn Taylor. You can follow Finn on Twitter at FinnTaylorComedy. The show is produced by me, Howard Cohen. Follow me on Twitter and Instagram at the Howard Cohen. The show is mixed and mastered by Audio Culture. You can follow Audio Culture on Instagram at WeAreAudioCulture. Please rate and review the show on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to us. You can find us on Twitter and Instagram at DBQE Podcast. Thanks for listening, guys. And remember, question everything. <laughs>